0: March 23rd, Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Andrei Bogoslavsky, New York City. This episode uh, is specifically for young artists as an inspiration. Uh, mind, uh, uh, eye-opener on how to get your first show. I don't know your personal circumstances. I don't know the environment where you are. Maybe small town in the middle of nowhere, maybe in Japan, Russia, Paris, who knows? So the best way to do it, I'm gonna tell you what I did, what happened to me uh, starting in 1997. I sold fashion books and magazines, by April 97, well, I was off the hook. I received very good money. It was very successful business, and I was looking for other business opportunities. But ultimately, I thought to myself, I really would like to go back to painting. I haven't been really into it. I've been running businesses and busy with making money in New York City because when I came in 88... I really was scared to, to go homeless and to, to be poor, you know, not to succeed, basically. L- l- life in capitalist society is brutal, because my whole youth, uh, until I came to New York, I was subsidized by the government, you know, a higher education in, cap- in, in communist countries and socialism was free, and more than that, if you're a primus, if you're a, uh, not celebrity, how do you call it, uh, a prodigy you you get uh, stipends. You get a monthly money from the Ministry of Culture. So your school is paid. Your housing is paid. Your food is paid. And then you get cash. That cash was like 50% of a high school teacher's salary. So it wasn't bad, you know. It was a good life. And I was, you know, always business-minded. I was making my own money. I didn't take money from my mother since age 17. So <coughs> when I... Uh, Decided to go back to painting. I went to art supply store and I stuck up on everything I need. And I started buying again from Guerra Paint Art Supplies. It's a it's a store where it's a little tiny shop. They have four hundred colors and little bottles of pigments. So you buy this eight-ounce bottle, eight-ounce bottle, maybe four-ounce bottle for 40 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks and you can make one gallon of paint out of it. When you buy a gallon of golden paint acrylic, it costs you $600. Art paint, yes! So (coughs) here you can buy a gallon of acrylic, goo, it's called Acrylic 65, and mix it with this eight ounce color and add a little uh, filler, so-called filler. It's a marble uh, powder. Which, after it dries, it's transparent. So nowadays, we're using this marble powder. But Guerra <coughs> Paint, they will explain their other fillers these days. There are these microscopic uh, glass balls that can be seen under microscope, they're even, they're lighter than, than marble powder, for instance. Marble powder is a traditional filler. The cheap paints you buy in an art supply store, they don't even want to put marble powder, they rip you off so badly, they put chalk, <laughs> so it makes your paints really garbage. If you notice, you know, they have like students' quality, or they call it studio quality, R-Tubes, our, our and R-Michaels, or somewhere else they're real garbage you squeeze it on a white surface and you smoosh it with a finger and there isn't much paint in it there isn't much pigment it's like a jelly you understand the value of paint is in its in its pigment content this is why dry pastels when you buy dry pastels the the real ones from France, for instance, they're 100% pigment. They're pressed pigment. This is why one stick costs $3, because that's what it costs, you know? The, the chem- this is the, the, the cost of the of the chemical. So this is where I went to buy my colors, my pigments. Uh, Since then, I always buy from there, because ultimately, on the long run, even if you paint ten paintings a year, you save a lot of money. You basically save ninety percent well you can 't get away with brushes because brushes you really have to buy you know in the store. Uh, the usual chinese brushes they they're, they're sets of six or twelve and be prepared as soon as you open the plastic. The air will get in, and the dry will the handle will dry up and shrink, and it's gonna fall off the the aluminum tube. <laughs> so you have to be prepared. And the best way to <laughs> glue them back together. Thank God the hair is not coming out. Well, the hair does come out if you wash them in hot water. You're not supposed to wash your brushes in hot water, but barely warm, not to freeze your hands. You you wash your brushes in in barely warm water with, with soap, with bar soap, <coughs> both oils and acrylics. <coughs> and uh, occasionally once a year, when the brush is really valuable, you need to soak it in acetone for two minutes and then uh, uh, get the glue from deep, deep, deep from under the hair with wire brush. So this is how you keep how how you maintain your expensive brushes. The cheap brushes you know that cost you a dollar, you know these brushes in the hardware store that cost a dollar 50 cents or something like that, they're good. They're not that bad. They're they're spontaneous. The the, the the hair is the same hair, natural pigs hair, you know, there are a lot of pigs we have on the farms and we harvest the hair and we make brushes. So I think it was July 97 that I earned my second or third DWI in New Jersey while I went fishing. My Polish friend and I, we had 60 or no 120 cans of Budweiser all day. And then I didn't know he pulled out a bottle of vodka. So that's what killed me, you know. After the sun set, the fish were biting. It was a private farm and we pulled out some fish we set up a campfire you know to barbecue the fish but we got vodka and we really didn't care about the fish anymore so time to go home so as I was driving you know I pulled over on the highway to to pee back to New York and there's a cab behind me so you know thank you very much (laughs) I couldn't walk straight you know after 60 cans of Budweiser and half a bottle of vodka. I don't remember how much vodka. And my friend got in charge of open container. Okay, bullshit, oh my God, what am I talking about? So after that, you know, and uh, I bailed out, you know, and uh, I, I, I decided to go back to painting. I remember I bought an aquarium with exotic fish as well. So I had like three apartments, oh my God, what a waste of money. One on Park Avenue, one in Queens, one in Brooklyn, sick just blowing money away. So I, I, I started, I, I found one gallery where I knew the gallery before, cooperative gallery used to be in business for 40 years on Prince Street. So for you, I, I, I presume the beginning, a good beginning will be co-op because co-op really needs you as a member. They need your $200 a year or $300 a year to be a member, and for that privilege, your privilege will be to hang one painting for two months or something like this, and you price it, keep in mind the gallery keeps, you know, whatever the gallery keeps, 50%, 20%, whatever. So there are different arrangements. You need to be very careful about those gallery commissions, <coughs> not to get screwed, and of course never, ever sign the exclusive, because if you sign exclusive, even in New York City, uh, for United States, you're screwed. You can't sell to anybody in Los Angeles. So Imagine a superstar comes to you and you say, "I'm sorry, you have to go through the gallery and pay double," <laughs> you know, because the gallery, you know, usually it's fifty percent. So, uh, so I I went to this gallery, Ward Nasty Gallery on Prince Street, and Harry was still alive and kicking, and all the old timers who started the gallery, but they, they were all Vietnam uh, vets, you know. The, we, we we had common language and we were friends, you know, throughout these years. Harry, ha, ha, Harry sold many of my paintings, oh my God. And uh, I became a member there. I don't remember how much was it, $200 a year or something. They keep your slides portfolio. Well, nowadays there is no slides. There's internet website, I suppose. At the time, it was just the beginning of the internet. I think in 2001 or 2003, they were, they were soliciting me, trying to get me on the internet, on Nazi Gallery, and I think I did put a couple paintings. So that was one venue. But I heard about this artist studio where artists go and draw life models so i thought wow that will be no 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 no. i went to art students league on 57th street and i took some classes with life model you know i paid out of the pocket and one teacher kicked me out This crazy guy you know he worked in the construction for 30 years Painting his crazy abstract paintings, now that I think of them, they're not much. But when I saw his paintings in a catalogue before I paid for school, I thought, okay, he's an abstract artist with 30 years experience. Maybe he can teach me something. And he kicked me out. And, you know, after a couple of classes, he says, I don't want you in my class. I don't know why. I didn't talk to anybody, I didn't I didn't I didn't say anything. So I asked him for private corrections. And he said, okay, fine, we can meet in the cafeteria next week. And they never gave me money back from this class. You know, he kicked me up after three three sessions or something. And uh, so I continued those classes. There was this other lady with life model. She was very inspiring. She wasn't very interfering. You know, a lot of education, art education in the United States, I noticed that is not interfering there is this idea of not stepping into your career with dirty boots let you do what you want yes and no in other words if i see you don't know nothing about human anatomy I have to tell you that, I have to tell you figures look like handicaps, you understand? If I see you know nothing about linear perspective, I have to tell you that, because this is my job as a teacher, right? Well I'm not your teacher here, I'm just giving you free consultations, right? You just listen and you acquire knowledge, I hope, damn it. (laughs) So, uh, And then I heard about this studio, live studio in Soho called the Spring Street Studios, In the basement, uh, corner of Lafayette and uh, and, uh, Spring, um, right by the entrance to the subway, under the restaurant. And Lady Minevra was running a place for 30 years, 12 hours a day, 7 days a week. Uh, From 10 to 10, I think, or 9 to 9. There were three different models a day, live models sitting there in the middle of the room, and in a in a U-shaped circle, artists were sitting and doing drawings, watercolors. Nobody was really painting, but I wanted to paint. Well, not the short poses because when when the model sits for four hours, first hour are our five-minute poses, and then there's a break for ten minutes, and then there. 10 minute poses and then there's a break and the last hour there's a one long pose, 40 minutes. So I managed my time so in the in last hour I would start a little canvas like 30 inches by four, not 30 by 40 but like 18 by 24 and a lot of those we started selling. I'll explain how that happened. So at the same time, in, in, uh, in August, uh, September 97, I see some guy painting the walls, right? And uh, he smokes a cigarette outside, his little shop on Lafayette between Prince and Spring. And I smoke a cigarette, so I started talking to him. He says he's opening a gallery. Paul Tanner is opening a gallery. I introduced myself and I offered my help. So I came and I helped him to paint the walls white. He's opening a damn gallery with paintings, right? What else are you gonna sell in such a small space? Not like installations. So he decided to sell primarily students from the School of Visual Arts or Manhattan School of Arts, some specific school. His idea was very realistic. So when he saw my paintings, he wasn't really happy about it, but he put them up, I was one of the first artists he had, and he started selling them. And the people who were buying from him, he was always so mesmerized. He says, do you have any idea who bought your painting? I say, no, who? He says, one of the partners of Dino De Luca. The, the 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 expensive food store you know chain all over the united states i 'm not sure they 're still in business, and they think this is Mona Lisa. this is like the most beautiful painting ever. Wow, cool, can I have a contact? No, so he never gave me those fucking contacts. There are like two or three hundred people now he closed because he inherited a lot of money ten years later and close the gallery, but in a period of 10 years, we sold a lot, we sold a lot, you know, he was shuffling many artists, hundreds of artists come and go, uh, because they don't sell, so he takes them down, you know, after a few weeks, he had, like, a flea market exhibit, so he basically had, like, 20 or 30 artists hanging all the time, from floor to ceiling, and even on his desk. All he had, there's a desk and a bathroom, and uh, you know, like 50 paintings on the walls. Not big, small, small, small. Nothing bigger than 30 by 40. And he was making money, he was, uh, maybe not. Not not a lot, but he. No, you, you don't get rich in art business, really. There is one company, it's called Pace Gallery. It's a public company. They sell $100 million a year. So this is one of the biggest world galleries, Pace. They have many locations around the world, and the artwork they sell is often not secondary market, but the artists in their 70s, 80s who are almost dead, you know, they... they, they. So... Uh, so, Paul became my second venue, Ward Nasi, then Paul. And then there was this bookshop uh, down the block, uh, Crosby Street, I think. It was a bookshop where people donate books and then they sell them and give the money to the homeless, something like this, called Housing Works. And it had these huge ceilings and the huge windows. So, I walk in, I talk to the manager, and she says, Sure, hang your paintings. What the heck? So I hang the paintings and let them hang them for a few months. On the meantime, I was bringing uh, people who, who were interested in my paintings. So if uh, uh, I also offered to volunteer at Ward Nasi Gallery. Basically, one day a week in the afternoon, I come in, I vacuum the gallery, volunteer, you know, and sit at the front desk. People come in because it's on the street level. It's like the busiest, busiest, busiest corner in Soho. And as you know, Soho back uh, in 97 was pretty much... Well, the art galleries were moving out to Chelsea already at the time. But still, still, there were were hundreds of galleries in Soho. So people were very artsy-oriented. People were, you know, willing to buy art for, for the next 20 years. Yeah, about that. Then uh, 2010, things changed, yeah, yeah, yeah. So figure, figure, for 15 years, Nasi and I had good run, a lot of paintings, hundreds of paintings, and works on paper, yeah. I, I actually started this idea to sell works on paper at Nazi Gallery, and I got on the board of directors. Then I heard of another nonprofit organization on the seventh floor in Soho, which is artists' slides. It's like a library of artist slides where art curators can come and look at artists and go by abstract or realistic, and if they find the new talent, they will get in touch with you directly. You pay like a membership, uh, $150, I think. So I started volunteering there one day a week, and then I got on the board of directors. So I know how things work in art world from this business side, of course, and uh, Paul uh, is, uh, asked me to help out on occasions. He had an emergency go. He was taking care of an older lady and sometimes I had a cell phone, so he would call me and say, can you please come and sit for three hours? So I was sitting in his gallery. And because I was down the block, you know, painting seven, seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Then I started dating some of these models because they were beautiful, you know, dancers. <laughs> Young, beautiful women dancers. And they were started modeling for me in my home and I started painting those and and and, and, and the paintings were selling so what what other v- venues? Now, you, you walk into a restaurant and you see original artwork, and it's a casual restaurant. It's not really expensive, you know, steak 20 bucks. So it's not really a venue to sell art, but it gives you an idea. So I went to Upper East Side and started walking to restaurants just to see in the afternoon if they have any artwork. And they do, yes, and they actually make sales to three thousand dollars, so I found one restaurant uh, first, it was a very casual restaurant on Well, not so casual actually, it was a a big bar and it's more expensive than casual. And we hang a show and there was a big reception, restaurant sponsored the reception, hundreds of people I invited. How do you get to know people? Well, you just print a business card and anywhere you go, you just tell people you're an artist. And immediately they know that's why you behave so weird, you know. That's why you stretch out your hand and you want to talk to everybody because you're an artist. And you, 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 you even if you are not what I'm telling you, you should be. The characteristics in the society are such that artists are very self centered, egocentric, you focus on themselves, they can't see the world beyond them. Well, yes and no, you know, I'm focusing on on myself because I believe my destiny is to create beautiful art and give it to the world. So I really can't waste time chatting with somebody uh, uh, about their shit or somebody comes and says, what are you from? I don't give a shit what I am from. And you shouldn't give a shit and waste your time asking me where I'm from. Because I don't care. Because there are hundreds of kids who actually show me their works. And they want me to to give them a couple tips. So I'm investing my time in somebody who invested their time in producing artwork. I'm not going to respond to your emails saying, hello, how are you? Because it's bullshit. It's cockapoo. Delete. Block. I don't want this shit. Okay? I focus on business. There's not enough time in the day. To paint, to produce videos Podcasts, and then respond To stupid junk Hello, I love you, I love you Fuck this, man (coughs) I love everybody, so get lost so going back to art career, opportunities come when you come out. So you 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 uh, somebody invites you to go and hang out. You go and hang out at some bar, okay? I hate bars because I, I I don't want to drink in public because I always get into a fight. So I would go and hang out for a minute. And I meet people, and they're interesting people, and I, of course, I talk about art. I don't want to talk about politics in Chile, and the penguins dying out on the South Pole, because I don't know nothing about it, and I'm not interested about it, okay? I'm interested in my art, primarily, by comparison to the other great art for instance, right, I'm not really interested, you know, I'm interested in my health and my food and a couple of friends, people I love, and this is it, you know, I share my education, I mean, my experience with young people, and my my job is done, occasionally I volunteer at the local church, and thank you very much, you know, my part is, my street is clean, because I pick up trash on my street, so what I'm trying to say As you get out there, as you try, opportunities come. The harder you try, the more energy within you to try even more. And people will actually offer you opportunities. You will walk into a frame shop that never exhibited any artwork, They just have frames on the walls. You walk in and you say, what a beautiful shop. What a beautiful frames. Oh my God, you must have the most sophisticated customers from the area. And they say, yes, of course. We're the best frame shop within 100 miles. So you say, well, I I think you deserve to have a couple original artworks hanging and changing them every month. So I propose we hang my... Portraits of raccoons. So I don't know what you paint. I don't care about your subject matters. You understand? Your subject matters are actually irrelevant. I keep seeing people painting kakapo shit. It's not my business. Your subject matters will evolve as your knowledge about the world and universe, your relationship to this world, will evolve. Your what what you think about will evolve. Now you're thinking about. This beautiful girl and her ass, and this is what you're painting, or you're thinking about your cat, or about your stupid neighbor who 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 never cleans up, you know. So you, this is what you paint, okay? This is, but trust me, in a couple years from now, you're gonna be into something else. I hope so. <laughs> you're supposed to evolve, you Your intellect, your spirituality is supposed to go deeper. You you you're supposed to discover who you really are by discovering the world outside. The world outside is more or less a mirror of the inside. What's inside is outside. What is on the top, what's in the bottom, you know? I'm not the first one to say it. It's like the oldest hermetic statement. So, <clears throat> uh, 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 the energy within you, the confidence, uh, is this is the core basis of your success, I don't know where you are. You go to the dentist, like like I'm talking about the dentist, because every doctor I had in my life bought paintings from me, my, my primary doctor, my dentist, my cardiologist, my skin doctor, my nose and ear doctor, I have allergies, so I end up with antibiotics every five years. So every one of them wanted my paintings. Why? Because I walk in and I say, I'm an artist. And immediately I pull up my cell phone and I show my paintings and they say, wow, this is beautiful. And then you say, it would look good right here in this waiting room instead of this cheap $20 poster. You need to say cheap $20 poster. It's not a put down and the, the, the dentist might say I like this $20 poster but you say but you need to upgrade your 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 decor sir. You know he needs to change the rug as well because there's a hole in the rug or some vomit on it for the past three years. That's another story but all you care is to, is, is, is to talk about your paintings. So always point out that the artwork they have perhaps Isn't a good taste But it can be upgraded Sort of, you know Put it in a language So people understand that you represent Higher realms So your art Before they even see it Before you even show your shit You already say Your art is in a higher realm It's like out there It's like totally, you know Beyond museum So let it fly, okay? You need to impress people with your personality, with your ideas. Start talking about what you paint before they even ask. They will ask, you know, what kind of art? You don't say acrylic on canvas. Nobody gives a shit it's acrylic on canvas. You say you paint the destiny of wildlife in America. And you basically paint cats. (laughs) Stray cats. (laughs) But the way you put it, the way you present it, you understand? No matter what you paint, you paint your friend with a guitar. So you say, I explore human spirituality in music and creativity. And then you look at the shit, it's just some guy with a guitar. (laughs) But it doesn't matter, because before he sees the guy with a guitar, he already knows it's about spirituality and creativity in music. Period. Sold. Sold, sold, sold. You understand? This is what you need to do. You need to be capable to... Uh, represent your ideas, who you are, whatever you are, no matter what level of creativity and, and, and skills you are, you need to represent it with full confidence, no shadow of doubt. Even if you paint shit, kakapo, and everybody thinks it's shit, kakapo, you go out there and tell them you're the most genius artist ever lived on planet Earth, and trust me they'll believe you. And if you write it on the wall, they will believe even more. They will start gossiping in your small town. This is the guy who is a genius, the most genius in the world, because he wrote it on a wall. (laughs) Trust me, this is the way propaganda works. When you tell people you're amazing, they first will question it, and they might make a joke out of it, but half of the people will take you seriously. Okay, now I need to use a soap and wash myself. Thank you very much.